Have you heard about these myths working with controlled substance in psychiatry? Number one, only certain psychiatrists can prescribe them. Number two, they are always dangerous and addictive. Number three, you can easily identify those who are not using for medical reasons. Today, we invited Benjamin Debunk, the CEO founder of Fifth Health, to debunk these myths with us and how can you create pharmaceutical grade and the challenges of creating controlled substance in the field. Healthcare entrepreneurs, are you ready to rewrite the rules for your business so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while creating a positive social impact? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provider's Edge. I'm your host, Sabrina Rumbach. I'm a provider, an international peak performance keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. Let's open the gateway to profitability for you today. My guests and I help healthcare entrepreneurs and startup founders like you break through barriers so you can control your business, control your life, and control your future. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Sabrina Rumbach. Today, we are here with Benjamin Lyburn. He is the CEO and co-founder of Filament Health. It's a clinical stage natural psychedelic drug development company. And they believe that safe, standardized, neutrally derived psychedelic medication can improve the lives of many. And for their mission is to see the hands of everyone who needs them as soon as possible. Filman's platform of proprietary intellectual property enables the discovery, development, and delivery of natural psychedelic drugs for medical development. And they are definitely someone who has been um, leading the changes on how we see the benefits of psychedelics, how to properly use and then deliver it to the right patients. So excited to have you here, Ben. Thank you so much, Sabrina. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, I would love to take us a little back, right? Before you get to this point, I really think about psychedelic. Uh, what intrigued you to get into medicine and healthcare in general in the first place? And how did you figure out this is the subspecialty that you really wanted to go into? So it, it's actually not a very interesting story how I got into it. It was really just by coincidence. I, When I was in university in undergrad, I uh, was fortunate enough to get a summer job working in a facility that was extracting new cancer drug candidates from different plant species. And so I just kind of fell into it by total coincidence. I, I kept on working there every summer. And then after I graduated, I got a full-time job there. And I sort of learned uh, a lot of what there is to know about making drugs which are extracted from the natural world. And you start to realize that um, you know, for the longest time, humans uh, always turn to nature and to plants for medicine and food and recreational substances too as well, right? Or spiritual uh, enhancing substances, one, one, one could say. Um, and so I kind of just uh, stayed in the field the, 
the for the for the whole rest of my career. I eventually left that original company, went to a second company which had commercialized a new form of botanical extraction technology. We were making ingredients for the supplement industry, for the cosmetics industry, for the pharma industry a little bit. We had an exit in 2018 and the team and I were kind of looking for a new project. And what drew us to psychedelics were a couple of things. Number one was that, well, all of these psychedelic compounds are actually natural compounds. They're all found in nature. They're all still widely consumed uh, by normal people in their, in their natural state. So we knew that people would want to have a natural option when it came to the, to the psychedelics market. And at that time, back when we were getting started, there really weren't any other companies focused on natural psychedelics. Everything was being made uh, synthetically. In fact, all research up till now on psychedelics has been done with synthetically manufactured uh, compounds. And, you know, there's nothing really wrong with making something through chemical synthesis. Most drugs are, are made that way. But of course, we thought, uh, given our natural background, that uh, people would prefer uh, uh, natural compounds as well as when you consider that when you make something through natural extraction, you're extracting much more than just the one primary single compound. So in the case of, say, magic mushrooms, there's much more than just psilocybin in there. Just as the same with cannabis, there's much more than just THC. And just like in coffee beans, there's much more than just caffeine, right? We like to drink coffee because it has flavor and aroma and different beans give you slightly different effects and taste. The same thing is true with magic mushrooms. Different people take different magic mushrooms for different reasons to give different effects. And so we'd like to replicate all of those effects by preserving the naturally occurring um, ratio of different phytochemicals that are present within the plant or the, the fungus. Yes, I think you uh, brought on a lot of great points, both even though you might not think your story is like this a great story. I just somehow discovered it. But that's the journey we all have to think about, even as uh, any type of innovators or clinicians in this space. We don't have to be, wow, I just found this uh, gap in the problem and I come up with the solution, like some kind of magical thing that happened. No, most things in life is this natural course of progression of this one project finished that led me to something else it, because everything does becomes an opportunity and open doors to something unexpected. And for you guys to have this progression into now, uh, I believe it's the same thing as the movement nowadays for wellness. It's about mm -hmm. wholeness, right? Uh, the mm -hmm. whole entire package of how we see a patient is not just that one disease that we're focusing on that we can diagnose and treat, but is how is that one disease being being affected by other organs and body parts, by uh, the ways and the behaviors that you are reinforcing positively or negatively through each day. And that comes down to what do we feed ourselves in our mouth and through the rest of the body and how we gut is processing all those uh, ingredients. And the book big movement with nutrition of eating whole plants. And the same thing if you are supplementing because you're not able to uh, consume all the key ingredients, then it's about this additional way of finding 
treatment options. And for you, it's coming from that cancer um, background and experiences. So as you're getting to this point, of course, uh, running a, a company or running a business, uh, you have many experiences in that. And then while you're in this a new field, has that seemed like some new challenges come up or things just uh, reinforces, hey, what I did in other business ventures really helped me right now? Well, definitely without all of our previous experience making similar products for a variety of different industries, there is no way that we would have been able to do what we do now. So you're right. You know, when we think back, you know, we were making, you know, green tea extract for dietary supplements and never did we think that this was actually providing us the experience and the training to make, you know, drugs for serious mental health conditions for the pharmaceutical industry. Um, however, with uh, psychedelics, there are a number of unique challenges. Um, first and foremost is the fact that these are controlled substances, right? So you need all kinds of government permits and permissions and security and red tape. And it seems a little bit silly because you're just growing mushrooms right in the corner. Uh, but you need, you know, we had a government inspectors here yesterday to make sure that we are doing everything correctly. Like when you want to send something across a border, it requires a, a mountain of paperwork. But in a way, that's also an opportunity because since these substances were more or less prohibited for 70 years, there's so much that we don't know about them and how they work in humans and how they react and, you know, what are the drug drug interactions and all these things that normally would have been figured out you know, decades ago, we still haven't figured it out. And that's even more true for, for naturally extracted psychedelics because none have ever been made to a clinical or, or, or pharmaceutical grade. So definitely a lot of the things related to the manufacturing, to the GMP, sourcing, you know, all of that stuff we had a lot of experience with. Um, drug development, controlled substances, those are things that we've had to learn a, a little bit more from scratch. Right. It just uh, and this new phase of building a solution. Definitely everything is about that learning process. But uh, what I uh, wanted to emphasize really for everyone listening is your skills are transferable. Uh, what you did it before can be applicable to this new phase of business. Uh, and whether it's this new drug discovery or a new device that you created or a new service that you want to implement, the way that we can think things through perhaps is business development, right? Road mapping, vision planning, and definitely we can face some unexpected things, but it becomes, turn that into a new exciting challenge instead of feeling like uh, it's a roadblock. And I think it's great for you to say, hey, you know what? Like, uh, yes, there might be challenges at getting things uh, validated and past the inspection, things like that. But now we know it's possible. It is moving to that new direction. And uh, so right now, are you guys focusing more on the physician side of proper education, getting to the right people to talk about the benefits of these uh, psychedelic drugs? Yeah, I think an, an important um, message that we're trying to get out there is that the psychedelic drugs that we're manufacturing are very much, you know, pharmaceutical products, right? They're being administered in FDA approved clinical trials or other federally approved clinical trials all around the world. 
therefore the treatment of serious mental health conditions, treatment resistant depression, end of life distress, addictions, um, all, all kinds of serious issues that um, represent real challenges for society. And psychedelics can potentially be one of uh, a very new powerful tool in the toolbox for these conditions. I mean, we know that typical antidepressants uh, have a quite a low chance of working uh, the first on the first course, only about a 30% chance. And even after multiple courses, the average patient only has about a 60% chance of finding an antidepressant, an SSRI that works for them. Meanwhile, they can be suffering from debilitating uh, effects of, of, of their depression, you know, often preventing them from going around and enjoying a, you know, a happy, happy, normal life. Um, regulation is changing for psychedelics. Um, for example, here in Canada, where we're based, um, the Canadian government now allows patients to request access to psilocybin through something called the special access program. Similarly uh, to what's called the expanded access program uh, in the United States. So we have been distributing our psilocybin uh, directly to doctors and patients. And we hear about, you know, great results that are happening. It's important to say that these are not within the context of a clinical trial. So it's important to not draw too many conclusions, but um, it's really interesting getting um, real world firsthand experience um, distributing drugs uh, to, distributing completely new drugs uh, to patients uh, and their doctors. Great point. And that also means people are start seeing the value and possibility of what psychedelic can do for them and their patients in these uh, difficult treating diseases. And also we know no matter what type of, uh, of antipsychotic drugs people are putting on. I remember back in the day when I used to do uh, psychiatry and in patient side, we uh, routinely have to screen our patients based on the side effect of uh, what can they not tolerate. And I think then we uh, change the dose or switch patient on a new medication. So it does come with the negativities of what some of these drugs are doing for our patients, uh, despite of they do see some benefit, but it can be very difficult just to find the right regimen. And so for you guys, are you as are you guys going through clinical trials or you guys are focusing on a, a separate way? So we are focused on clinical trials. Our business model is to, what we've done is we've developed um, some really interesting um, IP. We have about 10 issued patents covering various um, aspects of our manufacturing technology from extraction, purification, standardization, stabilization, all of these technologies which had never been done before or discovered before, but are necessary to turn natural psychedelic raw materials into pharmaceutical grade drug candidates. For some of those drug candidates, we develop them internally. We have an ongoing phase one study that's being run at University of California, San Francisco, looking at the effects of our psilocybin drug candidate compared to our psilocin drug candidate. That's another active compound um, from the magic mushroom. But in addition, what we do is we license drug candidates to third-party drug developers. So a good example is a licensing agreement that we have with a um, UK-based company called Science. They are developing our psilocybin drug 
uh, for the treatment of um, uh, palliative care patients uh, experiencing end of life distress. This business model it, we are quite excited by because it allows us to license our drug to multiple different companies who use our drugs in multiple different therapeutic areas. We still don't know all of the ways in which uh, psilocybin and other psychedelics can be effective. And we don't think it's possible for one company to adequately develop all indications. That's why we like to bring in experts in other therapeutic areas in, in, in instances where it makes sense. Um, and it allows us to kind of spread the risk, high risk and high cost of drug development amongst many different parties. And then we're invested in the success of many different parties as well. So it allows us to work with a lot of people in the industry and actually generate some revenue quite early on. I think you point out something amazing. I want everyone, especially healthcare entrepreneur, to hear about this. It's you use strategic partnership to expand the business. And then truly, that's the most amazing and impactful way to expand your impact. Uh, because we know even from just uh, any type of uh, work business relationship, uh, word of mouth and those uh, close human to human connection makes a true difference. Instead of, of we can um, individually go through all the, uh, let's just say, um, long-term uh, psych hospitals. But then th when it's a cold front, people are less likely to trust you to actually believe in your message. Then now you're able to collaborate with different organizations, developers to spread the message, to really uh, take on risks, distribute risks. And therefore, the growth projection is much shorter in terms of how quickly you can get to that amazing result with uh, clinical trials. Uh, and also seeing these other drug developers as partners instead of seeing uh, them as competitions. Because at the end of the day, yes, individually, everyone can all find their own solution, but collaboratively, we just grow so much faster and then able to reach out so many more patients. So especially in the field, if your goal is about impact and that impact really equals number and that number, when you can do it in the right way, actually also equals profitability. So I love how you guys are thinking, how much you guys are coordinating. And I think that's how at the end of the day, all of us grow. And uh, we have to see everyone as a collaboration instead of competition. And that creates even more opportunities down the road. Um, sometimes, uh, I'm not sure if you agree with me, uh, it can perhaps take some time just to build that trust the relationship right, individually. Uh, but once it's built, that opens up so many more doors. Agreed. I mean, in all things, trust and, uh, you know, with external parties as well as culture internally, right, which means that we trust each other and we have faith in each other and we, you know, don't attack each other for mistakes, you know, and, and, and things that we, we don't agree with. Those are the most important things in, in in any relationship, and without that, we are lost. And I think that's one of the main advantages we have at Filament is that the team that we have here actually we all previously worked together at another company, and in fact, we went through an exit process all together. So we 
sort of seen it all, right? And we, we've grown a business from zero to millions of dollars in sales. We've, you know, had big investors and big acquirers and all these things and, and uh, uh, high stakes negotiations. Um, and we, we came through it and decided to uh, do it all over again. Um, and that's probably the best thing about uh, coming to work here is, you know, knowing that we have such a good team and we all respect each other and um, we all know, you know, what things we're good at and what jobs everyone needs to do without even really having to decide it. Perfect. And I think that's ultimately what a successful business can be. And then when you're thinking about especially scaling, um, it's that key people who are all working in their zone of genius are placed together and especially coming from some uh, where you guys already been working with a different business before and then found each other to see hey how we are puzzling like it, it just makes sense right then adding on to those additional members to create something amazing so i know in any stage of business it doesn't matter how early stage middle or advanced we're all in a place of growth and up leveling so what's the uh, one area that you guys are focusing on now we're focused on um, attracting more uh, licensees for our products and increasing our revenue to show uh, to the world that you know people are really interested in uh, getting uh, natural psychedelics in their drug development program. So we are working on a few more significant uh, sales deals. That's really what we're um, uh, focused uh, full time now. Um, but we're also working on developing new products. So. There's you know, hundreds of different natural psychedelic species containing all kinds of different compounds like DMT, harmaline, um, mescaline, uh, salvia, all kinds of different species. And our technology can actually be applied to all of them, uh, which is what is so exciting for us. So rather than, you know, we, we, we often say that um, psychedelics are much more than just psilocybin. And in fact, magic mushrooms are even uh, much more than just uh, psilocybin. So uh, there's there's a, a lot more to come from from filament. So please stay tuned. Awesome. Yeah, excited for you guys. So uh, as you're uh, connecting with the right clinicians to be on board, what's that ideal profile? That's a great question. So many of the clinicians that are requesting our drugs uh, right now are um, normally psychiatry clinics. Um, focused on um, uh, obviously men mental health treatments. Um, often they may have uh, experience with ketamine, uh, IM or IV ketamine um, for the treatment of depression. And they're finding that um, some of their patients aren't responding well or enough to the ketamine. Uh, and and these, these are typically patients that have failed all uh, traditional courses of, of, of treatment. And so they're looking for the, the next thing to try. Um, um, and that would be, you know, probably psilocybin in our case. Um, the other area where we see uh, a lot of interest is from uh, palliative care physicians. So um, end of life um, uh, specialists in Canada, we call it end of life uh, distress where a patient may be having trouble uh, coming to terms with unfortunately a, a terminal typically a terminal cancer diagnosis and uh, psilocybin is showing that it can be very helpful in these situations uh, to allow pay or to help patients um, i guess come to terms with um, what's going on and and achieve a kind of inner peace 
it, we don't really have good words to describe all of this. You can hear from the reactions of the physicians who are in the room and from the family members and all of these different things that it can have a real positive impact, not just on the patient, but on all the patient's loved ones who also don't really, um, are, you know, they don't really benefit from seeing their loved one go through this very, very difficult uh, experience. So those are the serious depression clinics, you know, patient where clinicians with patients who have not responded to all conventional and uh, ketamine-based therapies, as well as um, uh, end-of-life um, uh, clinics, you know, palliative, palliative care situations. Wonderful. Thank you for that clear explanation for everyone who's in psychiatry uh, and uh, palliative care. Please go check out uh, Philemon's Health so you can actually find the additional benefits for both not only your patients' ease and comfort, but those of their family. Until next time. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. Remember, the positive change we're seeking starts right here with me and you. If you are a fan of the show or if you are just having struggles or success that you're either experienced in the past or are experiencing now in the healthcare industry, these matter to all of us. I want to hear from you. Visit sabrinarombach.com forward slash connect and send me a direct message. Talk soon.